Chime in, anytime. <laughs> oh no, I'm enjoying this far too much. Haven't you ever seen a rare hairless Wookiee before? Oh. Always remember I am Always remember I am Hello there, and welcome to episode 56 of Distant Echoes, a Star Wars podcast where we travel through the galaxy watching each episode of every Star Wars TV series in whatever order we please most of the time. I'm your host, Tommy. And I'm your other host. Kenobi! Also known as Cass. Also known as Cass. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And today we're celebrating... Malloween. This is Malloween. Spiky, spooky, Malloween. <laughs> spicy, black- spooky. Spiky, spooky? Spiky. Oh, I guess he's spiky, spiky yeah. Uh, and getting our spoop on with some spindly, spiny, spirit, spiky goodness. A sode we are calling... Well, we-, we said Maltober, but I think Malloween, Malloween is... Now it's Malloween. Now it's Malloween. It should be called This is Malloween. So basically, we're covering our favorite moments from one of our favorite spiky-haired, one of our favorite spiky-haired Sith, uh, our only favorite spiky, spiky-headed Sith, actually. He's bald. I was bald. like, who has spiky hair? His ass is bald. Uh, and just some of, the, some of the, the other lore surrounding Zabrak, Iridonians, Dathomirans, Night Sisters, everything like that. So we're not going to be covering a specific episode. We're going to be talking about a lot of just different stuff for the... The Halloween special. I'm so excited. If you didn't catch it last year, we actually did our favorite, our top five favorite spooky moments in Star Wars. So we'll link that episode probably in the description. Some of these are featured in there. Yeah, and some of these are featured in there. But this, you had the great idea this year, this year, Cass, to go out to the community and ask what people's favorite mall moments are yeah we talk about all of our favorite stuff and i really want to interact more with people on instagram that are so friendly and cool and i love supporting you guys and it's so exciting when you you know like us back and follow us and support us too so like i actually am going to shout out some people and we'll tag them in instagram and maybe i can try to find their twitters too if they have those i want to shout those out um because we got some great moments. You guys have made our sewed for the most part. So that's yeah. very exciting. And I love that everyone loves Maul as much as we do. Yeah. we. I mean, we got a lot of just various different... Um, I mean, a lot of the moments are, are ones that you would expect. But I think there's also some really great stuff that we're going to talk about today that caught me off guard, which is really fun. Um, and some stuff that I learned just doing research for this you episode. You didn't read my so. um, outline part, did you? No, I wanted Good. to live okay. react. So. I'm so excited yeah. because... Again, we talked about this in the very first episode. One of my favorite things about Star Wars and what I loved to do in high school was just to go on Wikipedia. Shout out Wikipedia. Shout out Wikipedia, yo. I would just read lore. I would just click the random mm-hmm. button and I would just read shit. And now, of course, it's separate. It wasn't separated back then. 
in Legends yeah. and Canon, and now I have like two tabs on each page <laughs> to like read through. So that's really fun. Yeah, and, and one thing I did want to call out at the top, and I'll mention this before we close out the episode. So we talked about this for the next couple of episodes. We're going to be not diving deep into any specific TV show. We're taking a little bit of a break from that. We'll return to that in January, uh, or New Year, I should say, um, when we're going to be doing more of that then. But for now, we're going to just be doing some some more fun episodes and, and stuff that we hope you all will um, help us with as well. So next week, we're actually going to be covering, well, we're not really going to be covering anything. It's, a, it's kind mm-hmm. of a fun uh, little idea. Again, this was your idea, Cass. We're going to be making Spotify playlists for some of yeah. our favorite characters and just talking through that whole process. So if you have any character pr- playlists that you have made, be sure to share them with us. Um, and we may even uh, talk about those on the show and share them out as well. Absolutely. So excited. Yeah. And we have another goodie after that, too. Can we already talk about that or should yeah. we wait? Let's, uh, let's maybe. No spoilers? No, 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 no spoilers. Okay. I kind of want to keep that one under our lids. I will say, though, um, our 60-day uh, time frame came up for me to reserve all of our Star Wars stuff for our Disney. Mm-hmm. This is our, again, this is Tommy and I's personally 10-year anniversary of being married, but then also 20 years of being together because we're insane and we've been together <laughs> since we were 14, which is awesome and I love it. And, you know, Star Wars was a huge part of our relationship starting out really we I saw bought- revenge of the sith in theaters together, together yes we? it was yeah. one of our first not maybe one of our first dates honestly it wasn't napoleon dynamite was our very first date i remember that because we not our very no. first date. we went bowling. bowling we went bowling but i mean movie date it was napoleon oh, okay. dynamite because you gave me a plastic goldfish it was like a it was really stupid. It was like a, I loved it though. It was like a container that you would put goldfish I in, but you it a was delicious bass. Yes, and that's what you said to me, and it was really sweet. So I think it was Napoleon Dynamite that we went and saw, but we maybe saw you were first. just quoting it. Um, I don't know. I can't. I don't recall. I. It, it might have been Revenge of the Sith. It might have been the first, like, just maybe not like a date. We were already dating, no, but like we first saw movie a, we saw. We saw a rom com together too. I remember that was. Oh really yeah. Bad. We just um, laughed at it. Yeah. It was Spanglish. No, it wasn't Spanglish. Oh. It was. Um, I don't remember what it was, but it was, it was awful. Really bad. Doesn't matter. I think the, the true first rom com that we saw together was Revenge of the Sith. That's totally um. true. It's so hilarious. <laughs> but anyway, a uh, features Darth Maul, of course. Uh, actually, no, it no, doesn't. It doesn't. I, I lied. <laughs> Never mind. Anyway, um, all that is to say that we will eventually also be doing an entire coverage of our Disney experience in an episode. Um, and I will be videoing as much as I possibly can with us flinging lightsabers around and droids as we do all of that. And us sobbing in a room full of probably eight-year-old children who are looking at us like, why are these old people? Fuck them kids. I'm just going to smack them. I'm just going to hit them with my lightsaber. (laughs) Anyway, I'm very excited about today's episode. So we got that coming up. Yeah. One thing that I do want to just say right off the jump is because we're talking about a lot of different moments, there's obviously going to be some spoilery stuff just kind of spanning across multiple um, series and seasons and stuff like that. We'll try to... I mean, I know the first one that we're talking about is a kind of a big spoiler. It's huge. Um, but we'll try to, you know, just give like a, you know, spoiler warning in moments when we can. But also, too, like a lot of this stuff has been out for a long time. So, you know, just listen at your own risk. But um, we just want to have some fun with our boy Ma for Malloween. Yes, we shall start with revenge. Oh! 
I am lost. And yet, I can feel his presence so close, so close. I can see him in my mind's eye. Kenobi. My hatred kept my spirit intact even though my body was not. Yet I was lost and became a rabid animal. And such is how you found me, brother discarded, forgotten. I have missed so much. The Force feels out of balance. I guess I'm going to get started and starting off with super great fun with our guy Maul, the first thing we're going to talk about. So the way I've kind of outlined this episode is we had a lot of folks talk about fight scenes. So I Mm -hmm. kind of started off with just some like moments and scenes that are actuality that involve Maul. And then we're going to go into some lore and goodies that we just kind of just deep dived into some research and funness, which is my favorite thing to do, and just talk about what we found. And I actually think some of the stuff that I found, I feel like, is profound and relevant to what we're heading into in terms of Ahsoka. We talked about a little bit about the Dathomirans and their lore last time, but I'm going to go even more in depth about that, so I'm really excited. So, Mm -hmm. again, the very first one, though. Talking about spoilers. This uh, episode and moment was brought to us by Brad Goodwin, who is actually a friend of mine and Tommy's, who, um, if you've seen our Instagram, like last Christmas, there's a picture of us with a live-sized R2-D2. Mm-hmm. He made that shit from scratch. He wanted to have it in his wedding as the ring bearer, which would have been amazing. And his wife was amenable to it. She works with me. She said that would be cool. However, I don't think he got to finish it before then, so it didn't get to work out. But man, that would have been really awesome. And I really think and I hope that you guys do that for like, if you ever renew your vows or something, you need to have... Oh, yeah, you got to. Oh, God, that'd be so cool. Or if you just want someone to wear the suit, you know, I'll I'll, do I'll jump inside. Oh, yeah. Something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you want to shout out his band as well. Yes, right? uh, Max Power Band, um, a Simpsons reference, I believe. Yeah. And the logo I is, believe. I don't know, but you said it is, and it, I know it is. It is but It's also a reference to a setting on uh, a hairdryer. That's what it's, that's the joke in the Simpsons. <laughs> oh, okay. Anyway. Freaking awesome. Uh, Brad, thank you for um, commenting and bringing this to us. 
one of my favorite moments as well. Yeah, I was going to say, you really like this. I love this. So this is, of course, the episode Twin Sons. This mm-hmm. is season three of episode, in episode 20 of Star Wars Rebels. Um, it aired March 18th, 2017 on Disney XD. Uh, the official description here was that Maul arrives on Tatooine seeking revenge against his nemesis, Obi-Wan Kenobi. Ezra, meanwhile, heads to the desert planet, hoping to reach the Jedi Master first. Um, Galaxy Two Gals also mentioned this and the quote Kenobi. Um, At Galaxy Two Gals on Instagram? Yes. Nice. Absolutely. Um, and I have the... Uh, aforementioned i just have a link to the sam witwer scream because it's so good he's sam, just sam witwer is an unsung well maybe not unsung because i think he gets a lot of due credit but an unsung hero in star wars animation and star wars in general we're gonna talk about him a lot this episode because i watched another video of him talking about this specific scene and the i mean he he's obviously a fanboy of star wars but he's so passionate about being that's what I love about this show and these shows are like the actors are so passionate about the lore and the characters and like the emotion that he brings to this character is yeah. so powerful. Well, and Sam Witwer too. I mean, we've talked about him a lot on the pod, but he got his well, I don't know if he got his st- I shouldn't say he got a start. He was Star Killer, right? Yes. In um the Force Unleashed games, which is a uh not canon entry in uh star wars still really cool and you know he's a he's just kind of a fan favorite i think because of that as well but also the work that he did as maul oh gosh incredible so i'm not gonna do an entire play-by-play of this episode but essentially this episode puts us after the events of maul's dominance of ezra malachor when he you know we talked about the force jump last episode and ahsoka and all that kind of stuff he retrieves a fragment of a sith holocron um, meanwhile, the Rebels are also looking for Kenobi. So not only is Maul looking for Kenobi at this point, but the Rebels are trying to look for him, trying to see if he can help them with the Rebellion. And there is this quote uh, that I pulled from that episode that I just think is really funny. And it says, uh, We're training for the attack on Lothal. And nobody knows that place better than you. I need you to help us prepare if we're going to be successful. But Hera, if Master Kenobi is alive, think of what he could do for the Rebellion. If he was alive, do you think he would be hiding on some backwater world instead of helping us? And I just think that's funny because... Yeah. Yeah, because that's (laughs) what he's doing. I guess. Um, But he's not hiding. And that's something we're going to talk about. I'm going to kind of pull out of this and what I got from Sam's kind of discussion of this clip. Yeah. Um, Which... The entire episode is very long and drawn out, them going to Tatooine. There's other shit that happens, but this moment that a we're talking... A lot of it is Ezra walking through the yeah. Dune Sea, yep. you know? And, like, like, having, like, Maul is, like, pulling him towards, you know, this moment as well, um, trying to get assistance, and Maul moving towards where Obi-Wan is in the Dune Sea. Uh, but this entire clip is only maybe all of five minutes long. Yeah, well, the, the part that we're going to talk about. Yeah, and, and what I love about this, and I think you might have this in your um, your notes, uh, I saw somewhere where they were talking about how, like, um, a, a a battle, like, a, a, a fight doesn't have to be, like, super um, action-heavy, right, no. to be impactful. Um, I this, think the fact that it's not is what yeah. is really... And, and, one of the things I think that is really nice about this, so just kind of setting up the beats, you have Maul encounter Kenobi. I got it. I'm oh. gonna do it. Oh, well, I was just gonna. Sorry, I was jump. I was jumping a little bit ahead. I was, okay. In terms of the book ending of this, one of the things that's really interesting to me is that 
the first sequence that, and I'll talk about this when we when we first learn about Maul, it's very action heavy, mm-hmm. right? Oh my gosh, yes, it's and, a very detailed. There's a whole song. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's much different than what mm-hmm. we get here. Mm-hmm. You're right. This is like a complete contrast to that. I'm glad you picked that out because. Um, I actually have a lot of notes based on kind of just, again, echoing what Sam Witwer says in this one scene that I'm talking about, mm-hmm. and I'll link this video. So what I love about this is the approach. You know, it's dark. The sky is, like, dappled with stars, and Obi-Wan is just sitting there at his fire, and Maul just very subtly just, you know, comes through the darkness and approaches him. And... When they're preparing to attack one another, the this great thing that I love that Sam brought out of this is if you watch back, and I watched it a few times, Obi-Wan doesn't want to fight. He's not a fighter. He's a fighter. He's skilled. But that's never his first intention. There's always a hope to still keep that essence of peace that he has kind of clung on to as part of the Jedi Order. And you have to think about at this point, he's killed Darth... Uh, he's killed Anakin. Like, yeah. technically. Right? Also, he's also thought he killed Maul. <laughs> like, you know what yes. I mean? So he's out here. His whole life has changed. He has dedicated himself. Not He's not in hiding, as everyone thinks he is. He's not just some dude living in a swamp-like some other guy we know. <laughs> yeah. Yoda. Yoda. But Yoda also isn't just hiding in a swamp. All the people that are just like hiding away, like Luke when he's older and blah, blah, blah. They're not just, we all know they're not just hiding away in a the swamp. They're waiting for. There's a jadedness. There's like a feeling of giving up that they've probably all had parts of and, and sadness, obviously, because they've seen like a genocide of their entire like group of people. Like, yeah. That, that's awful and it, it's probably made them stop wanting to do anything that has to do with the Jedi Order. But there's still a um, there's still a hope and there's still something that they're holding on to uh, while they're out there. And we know Obi is here protecting Luke and watching him grow and mm-hmm. making sure that he is taken care of from afar. Um, but when he realizes that he does have to steady himself and fight Maul... He actually moves his lightsaber in three different ways that kind of mirror. He's like, first he is Ewan McGregor's Obi-Wan. He's Clone Wars era Obi-Wan where he pulls his lightsaber back and has his two fingers ahead of him. And he has that stance of a younger, spry, you know, I'm going to fight if I have to. And I'm fighting a lot more in this era of my life because I'm in a war, Obi-Wan. But then the music changes. And... He becomes Alec Guinness's Ben Kenobi, and he brings his lightsaber yeah. forward like Alec Guinness holds it, because that's who he's become. But then the music changes again, and we actually hear a little bit of uh, Qui-Gon Jinn's music. Oh, interesting. And he... I don't know if I ever picked up on that. That's what, that's what Sam Witwer says. There's like a little jingle or a little bit of an essence of it. It's not the entire music. However... Moving back to the first fight, where not only has Maul, you know, destroyed a lot of what Obi has built up in his life, he killed his master. Mm-hmm. And Qui-Gon Jinn, when he uh, killed Maul, 
that um, move that he did to slice Maul in half is the same exact move that Obi-Wan uses to kill him. Well, no, it's it's Obi-Wan is the one who slices Maul in half. Are you talking about when he slices his blade in half? Because Qui-Gon cuts... Qui-Gon cuts Darth Maul's blade yes, into... Yes, that's what I mean. And then like, Obi-Wan yes. cuts him in half. But he uses the same move. When that he cuts Qui- him, yeah. Yes. So, obviously it doesn't slice him entirely in half, yeah. but he kills him yeah. in this moment. And it's just so quick and abrupt. It's like they didn't even fight. It's it's really... Again, it's, it, it, it's a good juxtaposition. And it's very smart storytelling, right? Of like... This is what, you know, they talk about all the time is like Star Wars rhymes. And I think this is like kind of the opposite of that, but still the same thing where you're taking a scene, you're taking scenes that are, I mean, I'll talk about this when we talk later on, spoiler, uh, you know, when I talk Phantom Menace, but the fight sequence with Maul is probably like the most well-known and well-loved scene mm-hmm. from that movie. Yeah. I mean, f- for sure from that movie. Yeah. Um, Maybe it's, it's and it's probably top five from the prequels, right? Mm-hmm. So doing something that subverts what Maul is as a character mm-hmm. uh, is very, very mechanical, very skilled, and we're going to see that in, an, in another one that I'm going to talk about too. Yeah, one thing I think that's interesting too. I'm glad you mentioned the changing of the poses. I actually, and I think probably Sam's interpretation is 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 right but i actually when i was watching it wasn't thinking of obi-wan shifting into like different modes i was kind of thinking of it as he was reading maul in that moment and reading what he had Mm. to do right so i think he i think it's both yeah i think and i don't think maul shifts his stance at all he's very and i think that's what like obi-wan is kind of like reading him in that moment and i think when he realizes maul is very much like He's going to be the aggressor. He's going to be the one on the attack. That's when he adopts the stance that he's like, I can just end this very quickly mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. this. And he knows um, it. And, and I, I think, think Maul knows it too. Yeah. And I think, I also think too, you know, Obi-Wan, I think in a way does Maul a kindness, right? Like in absolutely killing him because he's fueled by vengeance. It's either Obi dies and Maul lives and that's the only thing that can really give Maul closure or Obi has to kill Maul. Like there's no, this is one of those situations where it's like, there's no other outcome. One of them has to die. I think there is a one, there is a one mode shift in Maul at this moment because he comes in here and he is angry and he's fueled by anger, but also projecting a sort of cowardice onto Obi-Wan. Mm-hmm. Um, because he tells Obi he's been hiding like a rat in the desert. And we know that's not true. And when Obi-Wan is shifting and seems to go from a stance of like vigilance to protection. Yeah. Like I'm the reason I'm fighting you is because I have to protect something. Mm-hmm. That is when Maul says and realizes. He's you're there's here someone something. something or someone. <sighs> Look what has become of you. A rat in the desert. Look what I have risen above. I have come to kill you, but perhaps it's worse to leave you here, festering in your squalor. If you define yourself by your power to take life, the desire to dominate, to possess, then you have nothing. And what do you have? Why come to this place? 
Not simply to hide. Oh, you have a purpose here. Perhaps you are protecting something. No. Protecting someone. And the mood shifts. Yeah. And that is when Obi-Wan changes his stance. And I think Maul realizes this is it. This is what's going to happen. And Obi, this is my most, it's just so beautiful. I like almost, I tear up every single time. Obi retracts his lightsaber as soon as he kills Maul and cradles him. He holds him. Just as he did Anakin, just as he did Satine, Qui-Gon Jinn, he takes him in his arms and Maul asks, is he the chosen one? And that is what uh, Qui-Gon said once to Obi-Wan. And when, right before Maul dies, he says, he will avenge us. Yeah. And that... Well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting, obviously that's a... He will avenge us. I mean, obviously Maul has different feelings and intentions, but at the same time, it's like, he wasn't there just to kill, you know, Obi-Wan due to revenge or, or hatred. That is part of it because that is part of the mire of his, like, livelihood. He is a being that has been built up to avenge himself, right? And vengeance, um, because he says he will avenge us. But it's like this twisted realization that is beyond, again, beyond the Sith, beyond the Jedi Council. Um, this desire to set balance somehow in some twisted, strange way, you know? Yeah, and I don't think he wants balance in the sense that, like, Obi-Wan or, like, no, the Jedi want balance. It's more like chaos like yeah. that he wants. Like, ba- balance in, like, a... Ca- and, and the other thing I sh- we should note is, like, one thing we didn't have, uh, we didn't get this one, um, but when Maul shows up in Solo, we that's when we kind of learn, you know, and, and obviously this is in, is in the comics as yeah. well. He's been kind of running these syndicates, like, this mm-hmm. a lot of this time. He's been kind of a crime lord, so to speak. So he's actually profited on, like the spiraling of the empire right like Mm -hmm. into or not the spiraling the growth of the empire he's been able to profit from that but he hasn't been able to gain power when he was talking about uh obi Obi obi-wan hiding like a rat i mean he kind of is hiding too like in a way like he's very i mean he was literally in a sewer well (laughs) yes like way earlier but i mean like during this time frame he is like He's kind of hiding behind the syndicates mm-hmm. in a way. He doesn't have the power that I think he would crave as like a Sith Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was kind of cast aside by, uh, not kind of, he was cast aside by Palpatine. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just think it's interesting because I think there is that juxtaposition as well. Like, Maul kind of is cowering in a different way. You know, he's profiting off of chaos and profiting off of, you know, pain that they can cause and like... Um, yeah, so I just think that's that's interesting. Th- this whole scene, I mean, jumping back to it is like it there's, it there's, is one of my favorite scenes I think in Star Wars animation. I think it is hands yeah. down. Like it's probably mine. I mean, it's probably my favorite because Maul is one of my ultimately ultimate favorite characters. Obi is one of my ultimate favorite characters. I love their story. I love the connection between the two of them. I love the fact. Even though it's really sad that Obi-Wan realizes what's wrong with the council, but he is one of the few who 
has to do what he has to do because he's trying to save so many people that have been ravaged by yeah. what's going on. Satine, the love of his life, was taken by the war. Anakin was taken by the war. Maul was never a good guy. But I think Obi-Wan sees in this moment when he closes his eyes, he, he closes Maul's eyes in a sense of like, you can rest now. Because I think he realizes it's not a redemption or anything. It's just a realization, again, just the same with Anakin, that a part of him is also dying that, or getting to rest that died a long time ago. Yeah. Because Obi-Wan doesn't know this, but we know that part of Maul's story was that he was just a kid, uh, you know, that was in a cult. His mom was in a cult. But he was taken from that cult and then raised and betrayed. Yeah. And basically told at every point that he was just a weapon and so of course you know his trajectory got bad really fast and he's not a good guy but at some point he was just a kid well and i think i think the other thing to to keep in mind too is that the jedi are driven by compassion right like that's a that's a huge core tenet of being a jedi is compassion there's so many moments when Jedi have the opportunity to like kill an enemy and we see this this is another great Maul moment that we're not going to talk about but we see this when Ahsoka captures Maul Mm -hmm. at the 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 final season of the Clone Wars right like she could very easily have killed him and he's begging for death in that moment um but they but but she doesn't we also have you know now Obi-Wan of course Cuts him in half very early on, so it doesn't really show him compassion there. But he doesn't really have. But I that's think, much younger Obi Wan that has younger no Obi Wan fight. Exactly, um, and, and then there, there's other Jedi that show that that level of compassion even to Sith. You know, there's been moments where uh, Count Dooku in the book uh, Dark Disciple, which I'm going to talk a little bit about. Also, by the way, if you're just now joining our podcast, uh, new listener, first of all, welcome. Uh, second Hi. of all, if you're going back to listen to all of our episodes, if you... Thank you. And this is open to anybody. If you make a Dark Disciple counter of the amount of times that we mentioned that fucking book on our podcast, uh, I'll buy you a copy of it. Because <laughs> we mention it like every other episode. I um, love that. That's just so because, I don't know, there's just something about it. Anyway. You've read it, right? I have read it. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> But we haven't even read it, but we just keep um, mentioning it. In Dark Disciple, Quinlan Voss actually attempt. He he has a moment where he can kill Dooku or capture him. Like that's kind of like a huge. Uh, it's it's a huge decision point, right? Like throughout that's the whole through line throughout the whole book, right? Of like, do you embrace the dark side quote of of killing? But I think in this instance, again, like I said, Obi Wan is still doing a kindness to Maul in killing him. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, heavy. Beautiful. So good. Thanks, Brad. Thank you, Brad. And thank you, Galaxy 2 gals, for mentioning that. The next one I'm going to go into is the exact opposite of this. Um, We're seeing more of a mechanical moment. We're seeing the grace and agility and just complete overwhelming evil and wickedness and coolness of Darth Maul. And this was mentioned by Clan. Brandalorian, Brando66 on Instagram. Thank nice. you. Um, uh, Brando's great. Uh, thank you so much for commenting all the time and giving us some uh, insight. Uh, we really appreciate it. Thank you so much. So they bring to us Maul and the Pre Visla fight. I challenge you 
one warrior to another, and only the strongest shall rule Mandalore. So be it. Give him his weapon. So I almost, this sounds really bad. I almost entirely forgot about this until I watched it again and was like, oh, oh the, duh. The, yeah. The, I the, think it's just because like sometimes with Clone Wars, like me personally, I get easily distracted by fight sequences. Like I can watch <laughs> them and, and if I watch them in slow motion or go back and watch them, I can focus on them. But when it's an entire episode, my eyes kind of glaze over and I'm like, oh, they're just fighting. Oh, okay. What's happening again? Like that's just, that's just yeah. the way my yeah, brain yeah, yeah. works, especially with animation. But I went back and watched this. I watched the recap of this on YouTube, but then I also watched the uh, uncut version of this, which I will talk about as well, because there's a director's cut version of this. Season six or season... So this is episode Shades of Reason. This is season five, episode 15 Ah. uh, of Clone Wars, and this aired January 26, 2013. So the official description was backed by the criminal underworld. The Sith and Death Watch launch an attack on Mandalore. Again, not going to go over every nook and cranny of this episode, but essentially uh, Pre Vizsla and the Death Watch um, were going to ally with Maul and his shadow collective. We mm-hmm. talked about his criminal group um, to weaken Duchess Satine's uh, standing in Mandalore so that the Night Watch could save the day and um, take over. However, we quickly find out that Pre Vizsla has no intention of really helping with Maul. And uh, that is when Maul, you know, when he realizes the betrayal, this is when he goes to the throne, basically, um, and attempts to take it from Pre Vizsla. So they do succeed at first. They do end up arresting Satine. However, when Maul suggests moving in on the Council of Neutral System, Vizsla says... I don't have any plans to do that. And Visa throws Maul and his brother Savage in prison. Uh, they do break out and they return to the throne room and they're going to challenge Maul challenges Visla to a duel, which he knows he cannot back down from because of his creed. So because he's a cowboy, cowboys don't back down from duels. Cowboys don't back down from duels. So that's what they got a duel. <laughs> I don't know why. I, was, I just, I just, it's funny. Well, when he's you a said, Mandalorian. I, it, I know, but it was just funny when you said that. I immediately thought of like, like, when they talk about, like, old westerns and stuff, like, I challenge you to pistols at dawn. Amazing. It's not what happens. I, mean, I don't know. Sorry. Well, there I- are some pistols involved. Actually, this is what I love about this fight scene going back to it. So, even just the opening moment of this, and I love that they save this in the YouTube clip that I watched. The, uh, the Night Watch are just, like, in the throne room, and they're, like, looking at a hologram of what's going on out- right outside. Like, r- literally, like, a ring camera of, like, what's happening on the front steps. <laughs> and it's just Savage fucking choking, force-choking a dude. And then seconds later, that guy just flies through the front door, and Savage just throws him in front. So cool. So I have I have more details on Savage uh, oh, in what I'm going to cover. But just to set the scene, Savage is actually Darth Maul's brother, right? Like I don't think it's his blood brother, but it's a night he's, he's a, a night brother, brother. Right. because Savage has a brother not that he can't have two but I don't think he's Mother Talzin's son sure 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 like well, Ma. But, but I don't know it I gets don't into know. that weird place yes. where it's like if she like imbues them and like changes their physique and mind and stuff like that does knows, they, do yeah. they become her son it, whatever but like know. 
anyway just setting that stage i mean savage calls maul brother like yes, all, brother um, brother but uh yeah savage is another dathomirian but he's cuter and beefier well actually he's not cuter than darth maul i was gonna say that's a that's a strong stance darth maul's the sexiest but he does have jacked up teeth we're just gonna tell him never to smile uh which he doesn't need to do so then he's really sexy but i don't want to see his teeth ever fair Unless he clean, he he needs some white strips, real bad. It's okay if you don't have white teeth. It's okay. But his are. But malls brown are gross and because green it's and like nasty. Yeah, it's weird. He don't brush his teeth. Anyway. Anyway, moving on. I mean, Savage probably doesn't have good teeth either. Actually, he might have okay teeth. I'm gonna go back and look. Anyway. Oh, just a little note. Visla is voiced by John Favreau. Yes, of course. Um, and of course. Maul is still, of course, um, Sam Witwer. But anyway, um, in this fight, there are, it, it's just, Maul is so talented. I think this is one of the most impressive displays of him as a warrior mm-hmm. and how he has been trained basically since birth to fight and defend. And we'll get into Night Sister lore, but like Night Brothers are raised as warriors. They're, way, they're raised and conditioned to fight. But guess who else is? Mandalorians. So this is a really, really like tit for tat matched fight. What's interesting and cool though is that Darth Maul only has his lightsaber, and I say only, but given the fact that Pre Visla, in the moods of this fight, you know they're like fighting, but he uses his jetpack, he uses his blasters. Um, and as he's trying to blast Maul, Maul's just flipping and rolling out of the way. He uses a flamethrower. Doesn't he also have the dark saber? Yes, I'm going to get there. Okay, yes. sorry. So he uses his flamethrower. That's the thing, though, is that he's using all of his normal tools, even though yeah. he has that dark dark saber. And Maul like matrixes forward instead of like bending back, he bends forward like bowels, and the flame just shoots across his back. Previsla gets up in the air with his jetpack and starts fucking throwing bombs at him, and is just blowing up the chamber. Mate, uh, you know, Maul still gets out of the way. He has these shuriken-like weapons that he throws at Maul. And Maul gets scratched on the face. And Maul just kind of like smiles like the little BDSM little kink boy that he is. And just smiles and is like, yeah. He's just a walking. Hurt me. Hurt me, daddy. Previsla is just a walking like armory. Yes. And Maul (laughs) is just at every turn not faced. Like he doesn't even seem like he's working up a sweat at this point. I'll also note what I think is really funny, but um, the Night Watch is just kind of watching and they're just, I swear to God, like Bo-Katan and the rest of them, like as they're fighting, they're just smiling. They're just like, hmm, this is, this is fun. Like no one, this is a life or death situation. Their leader's about to die, but because this is so ingrained in their like people and what they do, they know this has to happen. Like they're just like, oh, this is exciting. Let's watch this. It's just, it's just wild. Um, at some point, they start getting into fisticuffs. No lightsabers, no weapons. They're just like nose to nose, just fucking punching each other. They headbutt each other. Maul actually gets rid of Visla's jetpack. Um, and Visla, in the same turn, gets rid of Maul's lightsaber and throws it from him. But then Maul grabs Visla's arm and like yanks it over his back and like back bends him and like forces him to lose the dark saber that he also has in his hand and like i said the mandalorians are just sort of watching as they beat the fuck out of each other Mm -hmm. and at some point maul just like his anger and his like physical rage just overwhelms 
Previsla. I feel like at this point, Previsla is a, an excellent warrior, but all of his tools are gone. And he is not as trained in losing his tools as Maul is, who's used to losing everything. And Visla falls and Maul continues to fucking beat him into the ground. And Visla is crawling away from Maul at some point. Like he is just ready to pound him into a pulp. And then at some point, his complete will and drive to fight is gone. And he acknowledges that it's his time. And he smiles and is like exhausted. And he says, this is Previsla on the ground at Maul's feet. Uh, only the strongest shall rule. And he, you know, use, you know, he take, he allows Maul to take that from him. And then Maul fucking decapitates him with the dark saber. <laughs> now, is that in, because I, I think if I'm remembering, that's like a deleted scene, right? So or- he decapitates him in the scene and it's in the scene that the Wild. light, no, listen, the, the dark saber comes down on his head, but then it quickly cuts to everyone going, oh, and like turning and looking away and you hear a thunk, but you don't see it. Now in the deleted scene I watched, his head fucking rolls down the steps <laughs> and you just see it exposed for a so moment. So fun. Um, so definitely look at that if you want to. There's no gore, obviously, even in like dark, you know, they cut people's heads off in Clone Wars all the time. Well, it's because it like, you know, cauterizes and whatever. Blah, 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 blah. And I just wanted to pull back this one moment. This, um, was, yeah, this was cut later because it was deemed too graphic. However, there was an episode of Clone Wars previous to this called Eminence where, go figure, it's Maul and Savage again. And Savage, there's like a council of people at a, t- a table and Savage flings his lightsaber forward and just does like a circle and just slices everybody's heads off at the table. Um, in Revenge of the Sith, uh, Yoda fucking decapitates a clone trooper. Yeah. Like, it just happened. Like, and you see Pretty it, sure so. Obi-Wan decapitated someone too at some point. <laughs> I mean, he, what is it called when he cuts someone in half? Because he does that to Maul. Yes. <laughs> by, so, by, bisecting? Bisect? Bifurcate? Bi- bi- bisexual? Know bisexualing yeah he bisexuals him when you slice one you bisexual someone <laughs> anyway um speaking of bisexuals back to mall so yeah like that's i mean that's it that's yeah, what i got that's a dope scene it's I, I think- just a raw display of power and the fact that he like kind of gets off on fighting and like he is a machine and that's that's like i feel like that's the contrast right is that like mandalorians are trained in tools but maul is a tool i also <laughs> not think- in the douchebag way but he kind of is a tool but like he is a weapon himself yeah it, so remind me maul kind of knows that whoever has the dark saber can lead the mandalorians right that's his whole ploy is to like get that from him so that he can lead mandalore at this point, is is that what, what? I don't know if that why was why he challenges him. I don't know if that was his original intention, but obviously, like he is not in control, and he was thrown in prison, and Previsla betrayed him. So he's going to yeah. do what Maul does best and get himself back on top. Regardless, and I think that I think, I think it is part of that the moment that he realizes, oh, I'm taking this because I think I think there's a cunning element to Maul too that like yes. doesn't get as much play. Like we talk a lot about him about being you know this chaos engine and like you know all that and being driven by revenge and all of that's true. But he is also a very cunning villain. Um, you you know, know, you know the matchup I want to see one day. It's never going to happen because it can't. But I want to see Thrawn and Maul. Oh, 
I yeah. want to see blue guy versus red guy. I want to see red versus red. Blue versus blue. I just want to see that. I just want to see because the cunning and manipulation is similar but also very different. Thrawn's got the smarts and Maul's got the like just alacrity and skill that I feel like would be very interesting to see. I would I would love to in more so than a fight. I think I want to see a conversation. Mm-hmm. I want to see them talk. I want to see them play chess or something and talk. I don't know. I yeah. think it'd be awesome. Both sit bisexually across from each other. We've mentioned that like yes. so many times. Yes. Oh my point. god. <laughs> um, yeah. So thank you again, Clan Brandlorian Brando sixty yes. six, for submitting that one. Um, and yeah, so we got some other ones too, and I'm really excited to talk about these. Um, this is where. This is where I learned a bunch of stuff mm. uh, when I was doing research. Um, and it's there, there's some interesting things that have carried over throughout the years when it comes to Darth Maul. Um, and so one of the ones that was submitted to us was from Quest Me Podcast mm-hmm. on Instagram. So everybody go follow Quest Me Podcast. Um, and it was Spider Maul. If you're unfamiliar with the Clone Wars, what? Darth Maul survives um, his his death, uh, his initial death, bifurcation. Uh, his bifurcation. Um, I'm gonna Google make sure that's the right word. <laughs> while you're but talking. so so we have the resurgence of Maul in the Clone Wars. But before I actually get into some of the details of what Spider Maul means, I'm gonna go into some background here. So in the lead up to this moment. Asajj Ventress has been cast aside as Dooku's apprentice. Um, He's ordered by Sidious to kill Ventress, but she's actually able to escape. She seeks revenge on Dooku and asks Mother Talzin, the leader of the Night Sisters, for aid. Um, They attempt, uh, they basically attempt to assassinate Dooku um, in that moment. Dooku thinking, they're able to like kind of make him think it's like Jedi that tried to kill him. And so he actually then goes back to Mother Talzin to ask for another disciple. Um, And this is where we have Mother Talzin working with Asajj Ventress. And they're like, okay, this is how we can actually take down Dooku. Um, And this is where we have the birth of Savage Opress, um, Darth Maul's 
brother. We'll mm-hmm. just call him that. Mm-hmm. Um, they basically have this trial to get the you know the best warrior um, that they can. And Savage's other brother is part of this too. Yes, correct? Savage's yes. other brother is part of this, and they have these like really just kind of wild trials where m- everyone but Savage I think dies, um, and. Savage is the last one left standing, and he's taken to Mother Talzin to um, basically be... Feral is Savage's brother. Feral, that's right. Um, Yeah, Savage and... Savage and Feral. Um, Yep. And so he's brought to Mother Talzin for Night Sister Magics um, to basically imbue him, and he becomes like this... He's not like a massive dude initially. He becomes like fucking like Ripped. the big show from like the WWE yeah. Andre the fucking giant like he's massive right he's this hulking savage character um I also just want to call out he's voiced by Clancy Brown who we've talked about um bef- on the pod before right he was um weird triangle man <laughs> well, I-, I thought I put his name down triangle here. not triangle man it's always gonna come back to this uh yes he is in rebels um he is um Ryder Azadi. Yes. Um, and also Ryder Azadi in uh, Ahsoka. Weird triangle man. <laughs> uh. I'll have to issue another apology to Ryder Azadi. Um, anyway, basically all that's important to understand here is that there are these lingering strands that lead to the moment that we're about to talk about. Um, it's also important to understand that, um, and, and this comes, uh, some of this I know just comes from various different places, but I got it from the the clone the the star wars the clone wars collector edition book that has like it has, it has like some interviews and stuff like that within it it mostly is just like a lot like an episode guide um but mother talzin was actually promised power and a seat uh, as emperor palpatine's right hand um he actually went back on that deal and took her own son darth maul as his apprentice mm-hmm. um and so there's a lot of reasons why the night sisters although they're basically, you know, these, I'm trying to think of the right word, vessels of like the dark side of the force and like the dark side using magics and things like that. Um, they hate both the Jedi and the Sith, mm-hmm. especially in this moment. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, we jump forward and the entire- I know a little bit more why that is. I'll yeah. Get into that. Yeah, I'm excited. We jump forward and the entire time Savage serves as Dooku's apprentice, they're just kind of like plotting a moment when they can take- uh, Dooku down. Um, that moment kind of comes and goes, and they're not able to 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 obviously take Dooku down. And that's when General Grievous actually lays waste the Night Sisters. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's this an attack attack on the Night Sisters, and they're all basically decimated, with the exception of um, Asajj and Savage. Actually survives because he goes off to search for Maul. Um, mm-hmm. So anyway, lot of background there, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it basically, you know. There's a moment where Savage returns back, talks to Mother Talzin. She's the one who tells him that Maul is alive and gives him a device that helps him find him. Still haven't gotten... favorite episodes of Clone Wars. Yeah. I love that entire arc. Yeah. Um, uh, so, so the episode where he actually finds him is season four, episode 21, Brothers. Uh, and that's where Maul actually is uncovered. And Savage is like kind of chasing around this this being this like spider-like cybernetic thing and it turns out that that is actually Darth Maul um and not only has he been kind of using these cybernetics to get around he actually and I should mention I'm kind of jumping around a lot this is on the planet Lothal Minor um or Lothal Minor I don't know if it's Lothal Lothal or Lothal um anyway Lothal 
Yeah, but um, wait, no, it's not. It's not Lothal. It's a different planet than Lothal. It's oh, it's Lotho Minor. Lotho Minor. Thank I you, think? thank you, thank you. Yes, it is Lotho Minor. One of the things that's interesting here is that um. He, I mean, he's crazed, right? He's been spending his entire time, like, in this, like, kind of trash heap, just kind of surviving. And in between, like, teeth. B- bouts of madness, uh, he's able to kind of, like, tell Savage what happened. Savage then, in the next episode, and I should note that this immediately takes place right after uh, the Night Sisters have been decimated, right? Mm. Like, it's the episode, right? Yeah. You're following that. Um, he's able to take him back to Mother Towson, who is still there. Um, and she's able to then resurrect Maul and bring him back to um, sanity, essentially. For the most part. For the most part. She also gives him his real cybernetic legs, because yes. obviously he doesn't have um, legs, but he he she helps him with giving the, the cybernetic prosthetic. So... Um, that's kind of the spider moth sequence. Ugh. It's a really, there's not a lot to talk about with that particular thing, but it's a really fucking cool moment of like, I mean, he's like a, a drider from uh, so, D- Dungeons and Dragons. So I actually made a uh, connection to Dungeons and Dragons as well, talking about the Night Sisters because their entire group reminds me of Drow. Yeah. They are female dominated. They basically take on their males as slaves and they're used as breeding tools slash warriors right mm-hmm. and they have this like crazy spider connection because driders are um typically i think like they they can be they're male drow, like warriors adjacent, right i think they're like yeah they're like these weird experimental warriors that they have but i think um female drow queens can also decide to merge into this type of mm-hmm. creature uh the underdark and things like that so yeah i don't i i I never really looked up that connection explicitly, but I'm sure there's some type of connection that someone like D&D along the way and, like, had to have realized that there is a very strong, like, similarity between the Drow, the Drider, and the uh, Dathomirans. They all start with D, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of purple and black, they're, like, red <laughs> and black, so I don't know. Yeah, and, and the other thing that, that there's a connection to here is... Um, it's within Star Wars as well. So um, one of the things I wanted to talk about um, kind of as I was doing research for this. So they mentioned that the idea of Maul getting cybernetics isn't it, it was it was it predates this episode of uh, the Clone Wars. In fact, uh, in 2005, Dark Horse Comics released Star Wars Visionaries, which gave concept artists from Revenge of the Sith basically free reign to do their own stories and deep dive into a bunch of different characters. And <laughs> it's it's very funny. As I was doing research for this, I was like oh man, this sounds like really cool. Like, let me look this up. And I'm like looking it up and I'm like, oh, this is awesome. Like, I love this comic. I'm going to have to pick this up one day. Look at my shelf. We actually fucking own it. (laughs) So I was like, oh, holy shit. I didn't, I forgot. Love when that happens. Love when we don't have to buy things. Um, so or when yeah. we buy things and we're like, we'll get to this eventually. And <laughs> right? then we're like, oh shit, yeah, we will. Same thing with Thrawn. Yeah. We hadn't uh-huh. read those forever and then I just started reading them. But anyway, so within this, uh, Eric McBride, who was a concept artist for Revenge of the Sith, Rogue One, The Last Jedi, Solo, um, wrote the story Old Wounds. Um, and I want you to 
like just hear how much this echoes some stuff that we get. Um, so the story takes place on Tatooine outside Owen and Baru's house. Luke is a very small child and a masked individual shows up upon their house. They think it's a Tuscan Raider, but it turns out to be Don 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 Maul, um, complete with cybernetic legs and mm. a hatred for Kenobi. His whole purpose in this moment is to find Kenobi. And he actually threatens, um, uh, the Lars household um, and even uh, Luke, uh, which leads to Baru just kind of like screaming out. Um, and that's when uh, Obi-Wan pops up. And I did want to note. <laughs> this is making me think of Obi-Wan, the show. It, it, right. Maul. There's elements I mean, with uh, Vader. There's actually. so many elements in it that are very similar to both the Obi-Wan show and what you just talked about in Rebels, right? Like, it's in Tatooine. Mm-hmm. And it's Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. like, protecting Luke. Um, <laughs> one thing that I wanted to know, and I I looked at this a couple of times, and I was like, am I just, like, not figuring out what's happening here? I swear to God, Kenobi literally just surfaces out of the fucking ground. Like, he's like... <laughs> like a diglet? Like, y- yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm pulling it up right can now. Can someone to, make to, fan to, art? We don't have fans, show, but like, can someone make this. fan art of diglet? Floof! What does it say? Flu, Floosh. Like he, Dude, he literally. He's just like, there's his hand. The and fuck? he just comes up out of the fucking ground. Okay. We, you're going to have to take a picture of this so I can put it on the thing. Cause <laughs> it's wild. I love diglet. it. Um, it's very fantastic. Um, <laughs> but like, anyway, so they, they fight. Um, and what's really interesting here is that, um, Obi-Wan ends up overpowering Maul, and he actually, at the end, presses his lightsaber to Maul's head, Um, and he hesitates. There's a moment of hesitation. Mm -hmm. Before he can ignite his lightsaber, Owen puts a fucking bolt through Darth Maul's head. Nice. Owen is the one who actually kills Darth Maul in this this comic. So That's pretty cool. I find that pretty interesting. Obi actually tells him he's going to leave to bury his body in the Dune Sea. Mm. Um, and Owen tells him he promised he'd keep Luke safe, even from him, uh, and tells him not to return. So, again, yep. we have, like, that tension, right? Mm-hmm. Owen and... So, there's a lot of, like, through lines that actually are built upon... So, this is a canon... Or, sorry, this is a Legends um, comic. But there's yeah. a lot of, like, elements and strands that they pull from, right, that make their their way into um, other things. But uh, And I think some of the, the continuing themes here are Maul finding Obi-Wan on Tatooine. Um, and also, like, Obi-Wan. I like that you mentioned the, the Obi-Wan Kenobi show of, like, Vader kind of being the one that finds Maul on Tatooine there. Maul learning about Luke. Maul not caring about the Sith or the Jedi, just wanting revenge. Maul's final resting place being the Dune Sea. Kenobi having compassion for Maul. And then, of course, the cybernetic legs. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just thought that was really fascinating. I love that. Um, That's so cool. I was so happy to like read. So we, I've had, we've had this comic for a long time. I've never read it. But like, there's some really fascinating shit in it. That- I love when legends. Mm-hmm. when can- Well, I love when quote unquote canon is not entirely just reinventing the wheel. I love that there is this, like, amazing, like, cool marriage between legends and canons. And you're right. Legends is such, like, the perfect word for it because it's, like, you know, there is truth in legends. And so it's just this cool, like, these stories that are hyper, you know, like, hyper illuminated. But then the, quote, unquote, like, reality of the canon um, is putting it into a different light, which I think is really neat. And I'm actually going to get into that too with the Night Sisters. Yeah, 
honestly, it's the scariest mall moment, Spider Mall. I oh think. Oh my god! Yes, when he first comes <laughs> out of the shadows. Um, and it's just like he's completely in chaos, you yeah. know, mode in that moment, but. One of the other ones that we got, um, this was actually submitted to us. So we had a mention from our good friend, uh, Dimuma, um, David, or sorry, <laughs> David at Dimuma22 on, I believe, Instagram and on Twitter, uh, mentioned uh, Duel of the Fates, which of course is the famous score from Revenge of the, or not Revenge of the Sis. Oh my God. I can never get the prequel names right. I know. I always chance. do that. Um, the Phantom Menace, right? It's kind of the fight sequence between Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, and um, uh, Darth Maul. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's that score there from John Williams. Um, this oh, was, oh. yeah. And then we also got, um, once again, from uh, Clan Brandalorian, uh, Brandalorian 66, mentioning Darth Maul taking off his hood to fight Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan. Fuck so yeah. there's not a ton to really talk about in this moment. I think everybody's very familiar with this. Um, but one of the, uh, I'm assuming that this reference is to the final encounter um, where Obi-Wan and uh, Maul are fighting. But there's also the moment earlier on in the, the episode where Maul first encounters Qui-Gon and he's riding on that speeder. He has his hood up and he attacks, right? And mm-hmm. he's caught, he catches Qui-Gon and everyone off guard. Um, nothing really too interesting about that fight sequence, but I did want to mention there is an extended version where Maul actually almost makes it onto Padme Amidala's ship. Mm-hmm. Um but that's it. There's nothing else really that happens there, but it's just kind of a really cool fight. Um, and then, of course, there's the most famous encounter, which happens at the end of the film. Um, and this is where Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon um, take on Maul. Qui-Gon, of course, falls in battle um, while Obi-Wan is stuck behind a ray shield. <laughs> which I also want to call out. There's a moment in, uh, I think it's earlier, where like they use, like, someone, someone pointed this out, like, uh, someone on Twitter, and I'll have to find, see if I can find him and give him credit. But they pointed out that like Qui Gon and Obi Wan use like force super speed or something at one point, and it's the only time in any movie where they the use fuck? that. And then they they also mentioned like instead of like using that to help save Qui Gon, Obi Wan just He's like, like oh, runs. What? But that just kind of shows you That's, the yeah. continuity and like stuff in those movies is not you great. Know, yeah, it is what it is. Um, but, I, I, you know, I think that the, the the final encounter, the first and the final encounter are very interesting because we know so little about Maul at this point. Um, he's just this, like, unknown kind of entity, this, you know, I mean, he clearly is, like, given that design, the red paint uh, or the red face and the black. And it's like, it's clear that he's evil. Mm-hmm. Um, and we just know so little about him. Um, like, and I think that makes Satan him really guy. scary. Um, but then, like I said, the, the more famous of those is that that kind of end sequence, I think. Um, and then there was a couple other things that I wanted to t- I just want to touch on really fast. These are not things that have come up from people who submitted them to us, but um, I think they're really important to talk about. So just a few other little tidbits. Um, I got this from IGN and it's reported a couple of other places, too. But in the Star Wars archives, 1999 to 2005 book um which we don't own but we probably should pick up at some point um lucas actually had plans for a sequel trilogy um and in that sequel trilogy he planned to have maul return as the big bad uh, Mm -hmm. returning to take over the crime syndicates as we've already seen in solo Mm -hmm. clone wars and the comics but he says in the book 
Darth Maul trained a girl, Darth Talon, mm-hmm. who was in the comic books as his apprentice. Uh, she was the new Darth Vader, and most of the action was with her. So these were the two main villains of the trilogy. Maul eventually becomes the godfather of crime in the universe uh, because as the Empire falls, he takes over. Um, And he also talked about how at the end of the trilogy, Leia would be revealed to be the chosen one as she kind of takes over as Supreme Chancellor of the Senate and is able to kind of resurrect um, the Republic. Um, Darth Talon, for anyone who's wondering, I don't know much at all about her, but from Wikipedia, shout out Wikipedia, uh, Darth Talon is a female Lathan Twi'lek, which Lathan is just kind of like the red, which is a very rare color for Twi'lek, um, who eventually becomes a Sith Lord. Um, but where she takes place is, like I said, in the Dark Horse comic series, uh, I believe it's Legends, um, that... And that takes place at year 130 BBY. So, um, or sorry, ABY, not BBY. That would be in the past. 130 ABY. So it's like way, way, way in the future. Um, And then finally, one other note that I came across in the Clone Wars official collector's edition book. Dave Filoni mentioned that Maul facing off against Darth Sidious in the Clone Wars, which is a moment that we haven't talked about, but um, that is a very important moment within the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. um, that was actually a George Lucas idea um, as well. So it, all that is to say, like, all of these, like, moments where Darth Maul returns, like, dating all the way back to, like, 2005, right after Revenge of the Sith, like, that's always been a nugget, I think, that's been in George Lucas's head yeah. and in the the, the Star Wars it pantheon. can't be his only, like, appearance, yeah. right? So, like, like, there's got to be, with that type of, like characterization you know that more had to have been pooling in the recesses so it's very it's just very interesting that that's kind of always been there i love that sorry i was looking up when you started it you just like sparked something that i realized that we i actually don't have written down to mention but just like a little quick mention of this because you talk about dark talon um there was another legends apprentice um not to Darth Maul, but uh, technically a Zabrak Jedi Padawan that was in, um, uh, what is that game that you also said was Legends that I used to be obsessed with? Force Unleashed? With. Yeah. Uh, Maris Brood. Oh, right, right, right. And an right, interesting yeah. thing about her that I just want to point out before I go into, I think I'm going next about Night yeah. Sisters. Everywhere... Night sisters are physically shown as even though they're uh, they're actually not originally, and I'm I'm getting kind of jumping all over the place. But the Knight brothers, the Zabrax, weren't originally um, like related, like species wise, to the females. And the females don't have horns; they don't have any spikes. But Maris Brood did, uh, and I just thought she had the coolest. I like that. I thought she had the yeah. coolest like aesthetic. She was like silver, but she had like a red ridge of spikes on her top of her head and hair. Um, and she was Shock T's apprentice, mm, Padawan. So that's fascinating. Very interesting. Um, I'm going to have to, I don't have as much on her. Shock T, that's shocking. Yeah, that's silly. Anyway, <laughs> but 
Yeah, so we're, now let's talk about. So we've talked, we've touched on the magic. So now we're gonna go to lore. So now it's time for some a lore drop. Boom, 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 boom. And at first, I was gonna do canons versus legends of Night Sisters, but it's a lot of information. So I'm gonna focus mainly on canons, but I am going to talk about like what is pulled again f- from legends that is like the same that we're seeing in books and comics that was taken over. And again, I think it highlights a lot that we're seeing in Ahsoka that gets me really excited. Yeah. So. I did want to note right off the top, the very first appearance of the Night Sisters is actually in the uh, courtship of Princess Leia. Hell yes. A 1994 novel written by Dave Wolverton. However, the TV movie Ewoks, The Battle of Endor, has a sorceress called Sheral or Sheral. Yeah. I thought and, that's who you were going to say at first, but yeah. yeah, no. Well, she was retconned into a night sister, uh, setting her as the first force, which sort of a canonical appearance in 1985, even though in the books they were um, talked about. So like Wolverton in, in the courtship of princess Leia in an interview um, said that he sought to create a set of powerful female figures in star Wars that had been, um, that had been dominated by men at the time. And, uh, Obviously, like, the tables turned and they started to dominate the men. Um, And expressing delight that the concept had been picked up by George Lucas for his Darth Maul backstory. So he didn't know that that was going to happen. He was so excited that George Lucas kind of harkened back to this uh, night witch sort of dominance thing. So Shout out to uh, Wolverton. Thank you for all you've done for us. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And uh, Daniel Wallace um, also uh, was... Uh, part of this entire lore too and he said uh i came up with the idea that the night sisters worship twin gods after reading up on paganism and wicca the winged goddess is loosely based on the principles behind the maid mother crone of the triple goddess so mm. in pagan and a lot of which like wicca there's the triple goddess which we see as the maid mother and crone which connects to what we see we've seen in ahsoka which we've seen in a Abe- uh, macbeth in greek mythology the three witches, right? The maid, the mother, mm-hmm. and the crone. We also see 
the you can see the connection here with the father, the son, and the daughter, the three individuals. The winged goddess in this formula is, of course, the daughter who has um, a resemblance, who has a spirit manifestation of an owl, right? So that's kind of interesting. Yeah. Um, we're going to get into them more, too. So in canon... Um, the Night Sisters were originally residents of Dathanir. Um, this planet is bathed in Sith energies. It's literally like a giant Sith bomb. It's just like this red and black, like foggy planet. It has swamps and it also has mountains. And those terrains are uh, very divisive. And we'll see how those like come into play too. Mm-hmm. Um, and the planet itself is filled with ichor, uh, this green juice. That is what um, it's the juice. It's got the juice. And the Dathomir and witches um, use it to kind of create these spells. They, like, use the essence of the planet to, like, convert their energies, which are tip, which are force energies, into this magic that they make, right? Dathomir is also called the Rancor planet because that's where Rancors come from, which is cool as shit. So Rancors are rampant on this planet. And uh, later on, we'll talk about it, but there is a specific Night Sister who... Uh, the Night Sisters actually were using Rancor as mounts, and they would uh, domesticate them and have them as pets. That's so cool. Which is fucking dope. Along with some spiders, of course, because, you know, they got to have spiders, too. Um, this also was part of the legends. So this is like, this is funny because the canon specifically state this as a legend. They're like, this is the legend of the Night Sisters. And in legends, this is what happens happens but the night sisters were supposedly trained in the way of the force by a jedi named um alia or alia she was exiled to dathanir in 660 bby um from the jedi council she was thrown to this planet and she found these women and she she basically like led them up as a coven and trained them in the ways of the force and that is how they became like witches however um, she, and I'm going to talk about this a little bit later, she basically took the uh, Jedi, like, teachings and converted them into her own, like, cult. And they followed her. And then through the years, passed down through generations, they became the Night Sisters. That's the story. Yeah. I, I'll be honest, I don't know if I like that. <laughs> yeah, I it's hope- just a thing. Yeah. Well, that's maybe, there are some conversions here. So, the I, Night all Sisters. I was gonna say is I, I just hope that that like when if they do more of the Night Sisters story I hope that they because I like them having their own culture and it's not well like, I'm saying that's a legend yeah. because yeah. the Night Sisters don't accept it no no either. no, no. Yeah, the can- yeah. canon says that they don't accept this to be true oh they don't they don't accept this to be true well, neither do I so I think it's a matter of like colonialization where like the Jedi are like yeah we're the ones that made you and it's like no you that's fucking didn't what it feels that's like. exactly what I think like. That's why it changed. It was like, mm, we don't like this. We yeah. like them being their own people, right? Um, the Night Sisters, though, uh, we think about the Night Sisters and we think about Mother Talzin and like her little pocket of witches that we see in the Clone Wars and in all the shows. However, they were not the only witches on the planet. Um, there's mention of uh, a few different clans, mm-hmm. which I'm going to talk about in a second, but eventually especially when um they were killed when a lot of them were killed mother talzin is the one that like brought them all together and accepted clans which is from other covens um talzin unified the covens under her control 
Um, the Confederacy of Independent Systems mostly wiped out during uh, the Klan, of course, with General Grievous. Um, and we know Asajj Ventress was a part of her clan as well um, and returned to the clan after Dooku betrayed her, like you said. But there were also uh, names that were mentioned. And actually, I'm going to go over this. It's called a short, it was a short story written by E. Ann Cumvery. It was published in the 2020 anthology book, The Clone Wars Stories of Light and Dark. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, we and haven't it's read called that, but... Bug. Yeah. And um, I'm going to go a little bit into that in a second. But essentially, uh, there was a clan that was mentioned in this book called the Blue Coral Divers. Um, and they are very different than what we see in the Night Sisters. Uh, they collected shells and shared their name with the Blue Coral that's on the planet, uh, which is native to Dathomir. And a witch of no coven. There was one just like no coven witch named Falta who uh, once traded with a member of the clan for shells and she used those shells in the mud and she created her own daughter out of the shells and mud and gave her magic and like a snowman and her name was yenna um and that that's the that is like the story that's in this short story is that there was this witch who made her daughter out of the like earth and stone and um yenna ends up uh being saved by Mother Talzin at some point. So uh, Falta was a true swamp witch. Like um, there's actually a map of like the Night Sister Coven where Talzin lived. And she just has like her own little like ranch outside of it. Like she just lives <laughs> next to them. Like they live in peace. They, yeah. There's no fighting or war between the witches, but like she just hanging out in the actual swamp. So there's like witches, but then like there's a witch outside of the witches. Right. Said it before. I'll say it again. I'll keep saying it. Till the day I die, if they don't do it, they should do. They need to do a Night Sister series. Just they do fucking a, do. It's or so good. Movie. Like even if they did like a move, like a you know, a bunch of movies on them. Like I think that'd be dope. Yeah. So Falta again, true swamp witch. What I love about her is that she does have pet rancors, and she has a pet Tuka, a loth cat. Oh, nice. Named Ikor, which is cute. Of course. Yes. Um, Mother Talzin though eventually convinces uh, her daughter to join the rest of the coven. Um. And again, uh, when the primary coven was destroyed and Falta fled, she lost touch with her daughter and she ends up coming back and she finds this um, old elder named Old Daka and told and Daka tells her in the oh, story. Oh, Daka's in Clone Wars as well. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. And tells her that um, Yenna, Talzin actually had Yenna evacuate off the planet. So Talzin, Maul, Asajj, uh, Savage, they were not the only ones that actually survived that. Daka survived that, Yenna survived that, and apparently Falta survived that. Well, and also... Because they were gone. I was going to say, so this is old Daka. You probably remember her. She's that, like... Oh, yeah. um, She has, like, she's a very old, old witch, and she Mm -hmm. has this, like, headdress, right? So cool. It looks like it's Um, made of her hair, though, which is I don't know if you mentioned this as well, but um, one other person survives, and it's uh, Marin who is in yes um, i i actually jedi fallen order jedi survivor yeah yes Um, exactly she is a a survivor of um she was in the the the, The clan the clan yeah so these are the people that we know exist that were there there was also the singing mountain clan that is just briefly mentioned and the howling crag clan so you know these clans are based off the environment that they're part of the night sisters are like a swamp terrain Mm -hmm. uh the sing uh the blue um the blue coral obviously were like the water. The crags were the crags and the mountains were the mountains, which I thought was really cool. This would be a really great setting for D&D. For a D&D <laughs> yes. like Oh my god. Which Yeah. You know, we're, we'll talk about that. 
That might be a thing we might need to talk about too. But I, I think it, yeah. And like, it just, I just, because like Love the, it. the clans are so different and they're so like, di- like in varying. In D&D, and- it's like different witch, it's like different like uh, druid circles. Yeah, yeah, like exactly. Spores druid mm-hmm. is like a night sister and like the circle of stars or like, you know what I mean? The night sisters are such, I, I love that they're this in like unique design within like when you think about Jedi and you think about the force, like it's so we have so it like it's not in a bad way, but it's very like it feels very cut and dry. That's right? what we're and learning in Ahsoka that it's not linear. Yeah. You have a Mandalorian that can that can do the force. You but have I, witches that can harness the force. I like that they're this like it's not just like a lot of what Star Wars is is like warriors, politicians. Like you mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's like Jedi, Mandalorian, Senate, like there's a lot of that. I like that we have this like and a lot of people, I think, in, in other fandoms and maybe even in Star Wars probably don't like this, but, like, the mysticism of the Force mm-hmm. is, like, we've talked about this a lot, but it's very, I think it's so unique. And the Night Sisters just have that unique design that, like, it's just such a, it's a, it's a great space that's so unexplored, mm-hmm. right? Like, and there's so much depth that you could go into it that, like, if they wanted to keep doing stories about these, uh, these this the night sisters or like these witches they could do that so easily and still be in the same timeline like if they really didn't want to leave the clone wars era or you know leave um the new republic era like whatever they could do that and still have this and i think we're gonna obviously we talked about this spoilers for ahsoka we talked about a little bit of this in ahsoka that seems like we might be getting a resurgence of night sisters again i just hope it's not like a plot line mm-hmm. or i hope it's not like a um a story arc that like ends really quickly mm-hmm. i just would love more depth to it mm-hmm and I think some of what I'm what I was seeing in Ahsoka that I was excited about was kind of what I was reading in some of these stories. And obviously, like witches, it's Maltober. We're taught, you know, it's very like connected to Malawi. spookiness. So I'm also I just also got this cool little excerpt as I was doing research about the Night Sisters. There was a lot of storyline and like just information. There was like a little like you know like a section of the Wikipedia that talked about the Kaldoth Night Sister conflict. And I wanted to give a shout out to this because it's it's perfect for Halloween season. If you're looking for something a little bit spookier or scary to read that Star Wars related, there's the Dark Legends, which was written by George Mann, illustrated by Grant Griffin. And this book is touted as, you know, if there were stories that the, you know, uh, Balin talks about this. There were stories that the Jedi Padawans or like Luke and Leia were taught you know, and explained to when they were kids, this story is the nightmares. This story is the scary story. Yeah. Book. This is pretty, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. This came out in like 2020. So it's yeah. pretty like, it's pretty recent. Yeah. The description for this is, um, uh, I'm taking this uh, from Wikipedia, but from Disney Imagineer Scott Trowbridge, uh, if myths and fables is filled with the stories that might have put Luke and Leia at bed at night, yeah. the Dark Legends book is the collection of spooky tales and ghost stories that would have kept them awake at night, all set in the world of Star Wars. Yes, but I just love that. It's like the scary stories that keep them up at night, right? And this one's pretty fucking scary. So I wanted to uh, just shout it out for a second. So essentially what happens is there's like this guy named Darth Kaldoth. Um, he stole a Sister burial pod. And let's let's keep this whole burial pod thing in mind because uh, it's like this hanging pod made of rancor hide where they like bury that they're dead. Um, however, obviously we know that the Night Sisters have magic; they have necromancy. Essentially, they can reanimate people. He stole this pod because he wanted to learn how to reanimate. He wanted to learn how to reanimate. He wanted to learn how to 
um, immortalize himself. However, after Kaldoff's defeat by Jedi Master Bran at Morath, the Night Sisters called for a gathering on the planet at nighttime. Essentially, they wanted to get back at him for having stole one of their burial pods. And they, the story goes into this, but like, essentially, the Night Sisters try at every turn. They keep doing rituals over and over again to see the future and see how they can sabotage Kaldoff and kill him. But at every turn, he somehow gets away, right? And they're not able to do it. Um, they, uh, one night sister called Zeldin successfully managed to survive through the night. They literally like the very first ritual that they do is like, they choose these night sisters, these six night sisters, they bind them to pillars and they're attacked by the spirits of their dead night sisters. It's like they, they tie up living night sisters and they have zombie night sisters come and like attack them and all of them die except for one. And, um, she survived through the night and then the next night they gathered again and they added their voices to support Zeldin, the surviving night sister, as she enacted a ritual to persuade and influence Kaldoth into doing the night sister's building. But again, never works, right? They keep having to do different types of like rituals. Eventually they witness a future where during one of these rituals, Kaldoth would be killed by his enemy Morath. Um, but again, he thwarts this. He changes the, the course of the future. He beheads Morath. Um, and somehow, I guess Zeldin is trying to like mind probe him during the ritual. And he traps her in his mind. He traps like her consciousness oh, inside of him. Fucking crazy. I don't know. The Night Sisters say, fuck this. And they just abandon her. They're like, this is just not working. Like, there's no way that we're going to be able to like defeat him. However, um, he. They, 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 so he has her consciousness, like her existence inside of him. He's, she's trapped in his brain, but her body is still with the Night Sisters, and the Night Sisters just put her body in a burial pod. So it's a very Edgar Allan Poe thing where, like, oh, she's there's like, a living body inside of a burial pod. She's like trapped in there, but like, oh, that's creepy. Yes. And apparently, Kaldoth would just come to the planet and listen to her screams. So. That's scary and That's spooky wild. and weird. It's very much Poe, right? Being yeah. trapped in a wall and like screaming and people can hear you and blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah. So I just thought that was really cool. That was a very spooky little story. Was Poe trapped in the wall or was that the... Poe wasn't trapped in the wall, but... No, I know. <laughs> oh, the cask of uh, Montelado. There's, there's like four or five different short stories where someone is buried in a wall or buried yeah. alive. Like, that's just like his thing. I was just trying to remember like which... I know there's like the Telltale Heart where it's like under yes, the beating, floorboards, yes. but... Um, but then it's just a watch. Spoilers for Blah. the Telltale Heart. Stupid watch. <laughs> Stupid shirt. Anyway. Um, no, that's dope. I really want to get that. Um, I do too now. Yeah, I really want to get that and just kind of read it because it sounds um, just really interesting. And I just want to like, again, like having discovered that Visionaries book, I'm like, anthology series are really cool in Star Wars. It's really fun. Um, the next section that I was going to dive into, but I actually think you dived into it a lot with, uh, the spider mall. Uh, you picked up on a lot of the same things that I found with the Knight brothers. Like we mm -hmm. said, they were, they lived separate, separate from the Knight sisters. They lived in like the mountains of Dathomir and you know, the, there were other witches that lived in the mountains, but that's primarily, they had a separate life. Um, the original Knight Brothers actually weren't born on Dathomir, according to the wiki. This could be wrong. There's, like, some, like, mire and, like, what actually happened. But um, they were exiles who immigrated to Dathomir. And then the Knight Sisters, like, subjugated them, used them as breeding stock, like I said. Um, they dominated them physically and mentally. Um, 
their their treatment of them was often just very cruel. Um, they also and, like, and we see this in um, in the Fallen Order games. Like they're able to like resurrect them, like with magic and mm-hmm. stuff like that. They just like obliterate. Yeah. Like they just do whatever they want with them. They experiment on them and stuff. And of course, we know later on that Ventress comes and and is uh, basically takes one of them on as a mate, which is a uh, Savage. It's not like explicitly said, but like that's. I didn't think she took him on as a mate. Not a mate, but like. In that's what it says in the wiki. I don't think so, the wiki's right. <laughs> I don't know if they like took that out in Sorry, the show, Wikipedia. but like, yeah, not the, no, not I agree. Slam, but like, I think what they were just trying to say is like it was like the the systematic process of like selecting someone to be your servant it wasn't like a mate, as in like uh, I'm in love with you, you're my boyfriend now. It's like no, you're my uh, apprentice or slave. Essentially. I gotcha, I gotcha. Um. But following the end of the Clone Wars, we talked about Jedi Master Terran Malissos was stranded on Dathomir. Malikos. Malikos, Terran sorry. Malikos. Embracing the dark side, Malikos killed Brother Viscus and several Knight Brothers. He took their horns as trophies and became their new leader. Um, the surviving Knight sister, Marin, was then manipulated against the Jedi by Malikos and took control of Viscus Knight Brothers. By this point, the Knight Brothers lived in a village in the Dathomir Wilds. There, the Knight Brothers started domesticating black bane spiders which i think are also in the game as well i think oh yeah yep um but they were very leery of outsiders they were just warriors what i did what i did add to this though was that they had this cool rite of passage where they cover their faces with thin dark tattoos as we see um and they battled beasts called chirodactyls they also practiced painting glyphs using acid from these flowers called hydratus on uh hard rock surfaces and those who could master that Art, artistry because they're literally painting with acid they would hurt themselves or mm-hmm. kill themselves even um they became like master calligraphers of these warrior brothers there's like these artists that are like painting with acid which i just thought was really neat um the part in legends that i wanted to talk about again i talked about like uh Aaliyah or alia this force wielder who came from the planet that that was the weird colonialist kind of thing we didn't mm-hmm. really like um they apparently were called in this uh, originally daughters of Alia. Fuck that. Yeah. Uh, she apparently showed them the first death of Miriam women how to use the force. Um, she concerned with regulating her new community's social life. She wrote the book of law, which she based on the Jedi code. Um, however, they rejected the idea of good and evil. When she started talking about this, they were like, no, that's dumb. We, you need both. Like, they, they already were like, this is not an origin we agree with. Um, they called upon the energies of the winged goddess and the fanged god. I point this out because this is obviously like the pagan connection, but the winged god and the fanged god, or the winged goddess and the fanged god are also synonymous names for the sister and the brother. Mm. So even in legends, the sister and the brother were part of this. They, they, were, they were becoming like these pagan gods that the witches... So the sister Worship. and the brother, again, just kind of to reiterate, we've talked about it a lot on the pod, but if anybody's listening to this one, they haven't listened to like the uh, previous ones. This is like the Mortis God. So in Clone mm-hmm. Wars, there's these Mortis Gods and they exist in legends and things like that. Because at first well. I was like, why are the Mortis Gods part of this on this planet? But then I was like, oh, they're they're gods worshipped by the Night Sisters already. Like, so they- what you're saying is like in legends, they're also worshipping these same gods that mm-hmm. we see elsewhere mm-hmm. in the lore. Exactly. That's that interesting. Is, that is the connection. So one of the things I I I'm like fascinated by with like all of these like 
with like the night sisters and night brothers in general is just like how connected they are mm-hmm. to like the planet. Yeah. Like they're connected to the planet in such a way that like I feel like other like Jedi are connected to the force. Mm-hmm. Um and I think like part of that is like how the magics and things like that Absolutely. work. Like um I just think that it's I like that I like that element of them. So part of that too in the in the original legends, right, and building up on this story is that apparently like Aaliyah or Alia was trying to control these women and some of them followed her. Some of them joined her little weird cult, drank her juice and like had a more like um I don't know, like a more quote unquote structured belief of the force more like a Jedi would. But then there were a lot of them who were like, no, we reject your ideas. And I I actually do see it as like someone bringing Christianity to a planet and they have their own religion and they're like, no, that's not. I mean, it literally sounds like colonialism. That's not the way it is. And this, these were the true Night Sisters that came out of this that said, no, we're not following you. They were actually cast out into the swamps to practice their magic from the earth, from their beliefs for the Fang brother and the winged sister. And they were united under someone called Gethzerion. Um, and then later on, Talzin actually shows up too and uh, in this lore too and unifies them again after some destruction. So like it all overlaps, right? Even though it's a little bit dissimilar, like there's the same like stemming thought of them taking energies from the planet itself, kind of rejecting the ideas of good and evil, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the Night Sisters revised the original text that Alia had tried to give them their own. They tried to create their own text and it was called the Book of Shadows. So... That's pretty dope. Uh, the Knight Brothers here apparently were a shipment of Dathomir and Zabrax, uh, who were actually almost uh, near humans. And they realized they the Knight Sisters realized they were genetically compatible, and that is when they started to like, br- like become one race essentially. Just interesting, kind of weird. Interesting. Yeah, I don't like that either. It's a weird like white <laughs> ass. I- I'm just fucking weird. So anyway, I'm not gonna get too into that. Um, but I did already, so sorry. Uh, in their history, they did fought. Ag- they did fight against Jedi, um, and they had designs for galactic dominance. However, uh, the clan mother Zalem, this is later on, uh, attempted to. This is one part that I thought was interesting. Attempted to use Dathomir's legendary Infinity Gate to destroy Coruscant. This Infinity Gate. Uh, this was in the Dawn of Jedi comics. This Infinity Gate was a tool of interplanetary travel, but also a massive weapon of destruction. Hmm. I got Eye of Scion vibes yeah. from that. So I, I was gonna say because like Eye of Scion doesn't it's not a weapon, but not like it yet. is yeah. not that we know, true. know of. Yeah, they might be like leading So Dawn of Dawn of the Jedi is not Legends, right? Dawn of the Jedi is um Unless I'm thinking Oh, I'm thinking of something completely different. Yeah, this is a much Never older mind. comic. I was thinking of um there's in High Republic there's like a Dawn like a there's a very similar title mm-hmm. um, in the High Republic series. A as new well. dawn. No, oh. no, 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 not that one. <laughs> I was like, "There's dawn." This right there. So, follow with me here, real quick. I'm almost done with this. But Zalem also attempted to become the queen of Dathomir. She started subjugating. She subjugated a Jedi Knight that came to Dathomir and forced him to become her mate. Hate that. They had a daughter, and then she killed him after she had her daughter. And then, however, uh, the self-appointed queen's plan for galactic domination was foiled by the Jedi Knight Quinlan Voss with the help of Zalem's own daughter. 
Uh, Ross Lai stabbed her mother in the chest with a lightsaber, ending her reign over the United Sisters. While the other witches expected her to take the mantle of queen, Ross Lai was taken into custody on Coruscant by Voss, therefore ending Zalem's lineage. And this comes from uh, Star Wars Republic Infinity's End. So... Just shout out to your boy Quinlan Voss. I just thought that was interesting. That is interesting. I didn't even realize he was as much in Legends stuff. Eventually, they were reunited again. This is under Mother Talzin. So once, like, their clan was kind of destroyed by that whole, like, trying to become a queen situation. Um, This is where the history seems to kind of meld into what we know and what happens with Grievous and the Clone Wars and all that kind of stuff. So, yep. That's kind of what I have. A lot. (laughs) There's a lot. Um. My brain hurts, but it is still really cool. I really like that spooky story that I brought up, but um, we hate we hate a lot of the... I think what I found is that I just don't like the idea of... I get, like, the drow connection, like, the female dominance of the men or whatever, but, like, you know, that's something that just happens, whatever. It's cool that the females are, like, a matriarchal society. That is neat. Um, don't really like the fact that we're trying to, um, you know make the origination of the night sisters based on a Jedi. Like that's just not. Yeah. I think there's, there's a little, I think that's a legend that Jedi probably tell people to make it seem like they have a hand in everything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Totally. Fuck them. <laughs> totally agree. Yeah. I, I, there, there's a lot there Um, in terms of like the, the like the legends material. And I'm sure they're going to pull from like more of that moving forward. Mm-hmm. At least that's, that would be my hope. Mm-hmm. Um, but it would make sense why then Balin Skull has knowledge of the, you know, this, if you're thinking of it this way, it's like, oh, the Jedi talk about these mysterious heebie-jeebie, like, gods that, the you know, and, like, make them painted in this, like, hor- you know, this very, yeah. like, fucked up light. Um, so he has ideas of what that is, but the Night Sisters truly understand like their culture and their people. So. Yeah, I, 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 I'm on the same level. I hope I, I prefer it not being like, oh, they became force attuned because of a Jedi. I think that's no. silly. Like you don't need a Jedi. Nope. Um, no, need no Jedi. Um, I had a couple other things I was going to talk about. I think I'm, I might just skip to one in particular because um, I the. You mentioned Quinlan Voss. So one of the things that I think is pretty cool is in the Night Sister Society, there's an entity called um, the Sleeper. Um, and the Sleeper is, um, it appears in the novel Dark Disciple. So again, that's two, at least, in this episode. Just in one episode. Uh, just in one episode. Um, so I'm helping you get started with your counter. Um <laughs> The, the sleeper appears in that book and it is this sort of otherworldly octopi like mollusk thing that lives on Dathomir. But one thing that's kind of interesting about it is everyone Isn't who, it like in the water or something. Yes, yeah. Everyone that encounters it is has like a different sort of vision, right? Mm. For like what it actually looks like. Um, in fact, uh, this is from the novel. Um, people say like they th- see different things. It varies from person to person. Uh, Karis, who is a night sister, claimed it was the same hue as the water. Luce, another night sister, said it was pure white. Talia told me that the sleeper had enormous eyes and pincers or pincers. Uh, and then Nalith said, no, it has had tentacles. The one thing everyone agrees on is that they were terrified. So <laughs> it's this kind of like shape shifting thing that almost it. When I'm, I was reading the book, it almost felt kind of like the manifestation of the dark side of the force itself was kind yeah. of what it was. Um, and basically what has to happen here. So in Dark Disciple, Quinlan Voss is intended 
he's intending to go undercover um, to try and assassinate Dooku. It's kind of like the darkest plot like the Jedi really set up. He teams up with Asajj Ventress, and Asajj is the one who kind of, they kind of like fall in love. Um, and Asajj tells him, you know, basically has to embrace the dark side of the Force in order to do this. And the way she does this is she has him perform this ritual that she actually didn't do because she joined, she actually was adopted into the Night Sister clan at an older age. It's usually a younger ritual. Hmm. Um, but her intention is to have him, basically what they have to do is they have to go and they have to get a piece of this creature, like a tentacle or something mm. like that, cut off so that they can use it in um, their magics to make basically like a health potion that like gives them power, right? Like mm. basically like a super potion. Um, but it's it, so it's called that 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 potion is called the water of life, mm. um, and we see that in um, we see that used in Clone Wars yes. and things like it's just like a green potion yeah. right um and they use it to like raise zombies and stuff like that um one of the other things is that the sleeper when you get close to it induces like hallucinations of and stuff like that. i think quinlan like hallucinates dooku like when he's close um by um what's kind of sad about this is that um as he's he's down there he actually is forced uh uh tells him to pull it out of the water um this creature and then she tells him to kill it <gasps> Um, she's basically like for what we like need to do and what you need to do like you need to be prepared to take an she's just like a guy you need to be prepared to take a life kind of thing guy in there Um, but like she basically forces like I said she forced him to kill it and he's like this could be the last of its kind kind of thing and she's like and I know and it's very important to my species but if you're gonna do this like you need to be prepared Mm. to do this and I think he does. I'm trying to. I, I was trying to remember it as I was like yeah. looking back up the the summary of it, but I'm pretty sure he um, he kills it. But he also like uses the force to like subjugate it and things like that. So that's kind of like that other element of like the dark side of the force that the Night Sisters mm-hmm. that you've talked a lot about, like them using kind of subjugation of another person, another creature, mm-hmm. another entity um, in such a way that is really kind of icky um, when you think about like other individuals and especially in and also creatures right Um, but then obviously like the killing of this innocent creature is Mm. really fucked up too yeah Um, but i just want to shout out that there's some other stuff too we could talk about like there's a lot of and you've already mentioned some of it there's a connection to the zepho Mm -hmm. in uh jedi fallen order uh series there's also uh marin who you mentioned who's in that game as well i don't think we need to dive too deeply into that because we've already talked about a ton yeah we talked a lot um it was fun though it was juicy. it was fun it was fun you did a ton i mean you did the sorry bulk there was of- a lot of research on the night no <laughs> i was saying you did a t- like a bull like a huge huge heavy lift in terms of researching all this stuff but i also just want to shout out again everybody who submitted some stuff yes um, thank you so much some stuff to us so shout out all of y'all go give everybody a follow that we mentioned um and yeah thanks for thanks for giving us some some stuff to talk about thanks for listening um and the other thing i was going to mention really fast speaking of giving us some stuff to talk about um if you're interested like i mentioned we are talking about um just care really playful star wars character spotify playlists mm-hmm. um well maybe not spotify whatever playlists um in our next episode so if you have done that before if you've created a character playlist um or even something that you you listen to as you're like thinking about star wars or like writing you know if you're doing fanfic or anything like that send us send it our way we might um feature it and uh share it out and just kind of talk about some of the stuff that's there but 
Yes. Outside of that, I think whew, that is it for today's episode. Yeah. We are at Distant Echoes SW on Twitter and Instagram, or you can find us each individually. Cassie, where are you located in this galaxy? I am at Cassie Thulu on Twitter and Instagram. And I am at Awkward Comma. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you want, uh, we would love it if you could leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Um, those really help us out. We're also a proud member of the Jitter. Jitterclaw. Jitterbug. Jitterbug. Like jitterbug. 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 Oh, we're totally off. Uh, we're also a proud member of the Glitter Jaw Podcast Collective. If you're looking for other queer media podcasts, check out the full roster of Glitter Jaw shows over at glitterjaw.com. Just giving a shout out to the new Godzilla podcast, Screonk. Woo! Uh, go give them a listen. And. Tune in next time when we review Maul's masterclass in bisexual sitting. The throne of Mandalore is not safe. Love it. <laughs> Kenobi. Goodbye. Bye. And happy Halloween. Happy Halloween.